no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. Oh! One more time. Oh! One more time. Welcome to the Bear Essentials. On today's show, we break down the recent Bears hires and much more. What's happening, Perez? Hey, Dub, man. Hey, it's good to be back. Audience, we missed y'all. But hey, Dub and I, we knew there was a lot of chatter going on out there in that Bears universe. And I said, bro, why don't we just wait till they make the hire? Because I know in the past, you and I be on here doing the show and breaking down all these candidates. And, and then they go do some weird shit, right? So... Honestly, I like the way we're doing it this time around because now we can give the audience a deep dive into what we think about each coaching candidate, and I think they'll get more out of it. You know what I mean? No, you spot on, Prez. You're right, man. That whole world with the speculations and guessing and going down the path of four or five different coaches. But at this point here, I'm glad it's over. We made the hires. I'm glad we're about to dive deep into those guys. But before we do that, Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers, he does. Well, look. Salute to Jim Harbaugh. It's been a lot of speculations of him going to the Chargers anyhow, Perez. And the fact that he actually won in college to get that championship, I give him a lot of credit for that. It's always something that goes along with Jim Harbaugh, you know, when it comes down to is he's been ethical, whatever you want to call it, whatever the case may be. It's always something with him, man. But the thing is, I'm happy for the guy because he can't coach his ass off. It would be great to have him come to Chicago, right, because I respect the coaching. But good for him, man, and getting back in the big leagues. I'll tell you one thing, man. When I saw that news come across, I was salty because I wanted him here in Chicago. I knew it wasn't going to happen. I knew the polls wasn't going to give up power. I'm not sure how that power structure is going to work out there in L.A., but you know the gym is getting the bag in. He's probably going to have a reasonable say in what goes on in that franchise. And I'm thinking that's what he wanted. Yeah. Now, real quick, I was going to say, I think that Jim Harbaugh went from one good situation in Michigan to a really solid situation there with the Chargers. Because you got a quarterback there in Herbert that's emerging. And I think that Jim Harbaugh is going to unlock this guy. Justin Herbert's already a beast. But yep. imagine what he's going to be able to do with Jim Harbaugh, which is also the reason why I'm mad that we didn't find a way to bring Jim Harbaugh here to Chicago. Jim Harbaugh knows what he's doing, man. When he's with the 49ers, he done well there, you know, what we did with Kaepernick, you know. And now he gets uh -huh. a chance to work with Herbert. It's going to duplicate that same thing and get the most out of Herbert. And that's what you like about a Jim Harbaugh, what he's able to do with these quarterbacks, man. He can help those guys, man, be successful. Again, that's why I wish he would have been here in Chicago because we got all these debates going on in Chicago right now. Do we keep Justin? Do they do they keep the number one pick and draft Caleb Williams? Which we're going to have some thoughts about that here in a second. But when you have a guy like Harbaugh, who, as you mentioned, the work that he did with Colin Kaepernick, Everybody sat up here and they tried to tell us Colin Kaepernick isn't this, Colin Kaepernick isn't that. Well, when Jim Harbaugh was coaching this guy, Colin Kaepernick was playing at an all-pro level. I don't care what you say. Fuck the politics. That guy was balling his ass off. And that was Jim Harbaugh effect. He made the game simple for the guy. He made it easy for the guy. He put him in the offense where the guy can excel. That's what you're supposed to do. That That is what hasn't happened for Justin Fields so, so far. So my opinion, A-Dub, is that this is a home run hire by the Chargers. 
not only this is a home run hire for the Chargers, but I think this is a home run hire for the NFL, you know, to get a guy of this caliber back in the league. And the Big Ten loses some of its star power when you lose a head coach like that. It definitely going to impact the Big Ten for sure, Prez. But I like what you're saying about the fact that having hardball in the NFL, what that can do as well, it's going to make the Chargers a lot competitive for sure. More competitive than they've been in the past. And the thing about hardball that you just got to pinpoint and point out, bro, is the fact that he knows what to do with a dual threat quarterback, you know? Because, I mean, we saw when he changed from Alex Smith to Kaepernick, what they were able to do, right? And I know what Herbert's able to do as well, but think about how this whole thing going to look and how competitive they're going to be now with him at the helm of everything. Facts, man. And this is and this is another thing, too. When Ryan Poles had his end-of-season presser and the media member asked, had you had a conversation with Harbaugh? And Poles was very quick and said no. Right. And you remember what I said about that. I said that was a missed opportunity. Even yeah. okay, you didn't hire the guy. He, he wasn't worth a conversation, a phone call. He was and spot on. He did do that. And, but, but maybe he did do that, Ada, because he had Ibuku sitting there right next to him. You know, he was <laughs> the guy's fellas, right? That's like you sit right. next to your girl. You're like, oh, yeah, I talked to uh, Rihanna. And she's like, what? Well, my bad. That's what that is. <laughs> no Jim Harbaugh and head coach. Running it back with Flus. Now, offensive coordinator-wise, A-Dub, you and I, we had a, a list of candidates that we kind of were talking through. And it's funny, when they hired uh, Shane Waldron, when I wrote my article on our Chicago State of Mind Substack, I had Shane Waldron down as a potential head coaching option for the yep. Chicago Bears. Isn't that crazy that, like, I thought that he was going to get a, a head coaching role and he ends up coming here anyway, but as the OC. Well, Shane, like, hey, look, if I do well as the OC, that might open up. And to your point, Perez, that is where his aspirations is probably at, bro, of becoming a head coach. He might have a great chance in Chicago at being that. But see, this is where the problem lies, and this is why I was kind of hoping that they did get rid of Iberfus, because what I was hoping was you bring a guy in like Shane Waldron as your head coach that can work with the quarterback, whether it's Fields or Caleb Williams or whatever way that goes, but that person is going to be working with that quarterback for the duration of their time. Right. Now my theory is you got a guy like this who's a hot coordinator. He turns things around in a season or two, and then he's bouncing. Now you're back to score one again. That now, is some risky. People say that's no problem to have A-Dub, but I'm just going to tell you, I just don't like having all this instability with my team, especially with a, a muscle culture staff. And you know what, friends? That is risky as hell, though, man, because you're right. But God do that well. Imagine the offers he possibly could get a couple years down the road. Who all may want? He gone. So if that happens that way, Perez, he do great here in Chicago. Turn everything around. Look, man, these other teams are going to be looking at him, saying, "Hey, Shane, Shane, we think this guy can come and do something great for our team as well." So you run that risk for sure, man. And um, that is the scary part about it, you know. And the good thing about Shane is that he get a chance to continue to build his resume up, right? And that's good for him from that standpoint. But, man, long-term-wise, you got to have your concerns there. You know, one of the main reasons why I really love the idea of potential of a Waldron coming to Chicago, even though I was incorrect in the title, I thought it would have been as a potential head coaching option, but he came here as an OC. But the main reason why I was attracted to him as an offensive coordinator candidate or as a candidate in general is because of what he did with Geno Smith. Yeah. Now – you remember this, Ada. We joked about Geno Smith so many times on this show. <laughs> we were like, Geno Smith? 
Jesus Christ, who's balling? Right. And we started breaking down the film and looking at how they were utilizing him, but we like, oh, that's creative. That was a good play call. Yep. And you start to solve the ways of how Shane Waldron and that Seattle offense did really well. Now, he struggled last season as a play caller. I do want to put that to the forefront of everybody's mind when we're thinking about this hire. When I've done a lot of my film breakdown from the Seattle Seahawks offense from last season, he struggled. But if you look at him for the whole three-year tenure that he was there, hey, I thought he did a lot of positive things with that Seattle offense. And the fact you even brought up, you know, Geno, I mean, people left Geno there for dead, bro. They thought he was done. I mean, I thought Geno was done. He was in the NFL graveyard, bro. (laughs) (laughs) They dug him out, bro, little by little, man. Yes, sir. And, man, and made this guy into a solid quarterback. I mean, right now he's the what starting quarterback, right? Been there for a few years now. But it's like, man, the work they've done with him. And you got to give Shane a lot of credit for that, bro. He helped set this man up for success and and got the most out of him when other offensive coordinators and play callers could not do. So you got to give that guy a lot of credit for that. You talk about adding that to your resume, Perez, it gets almost no better than that, bro. And the thing is, I'm hoping we get that type of shame as the OC coming in. Not the last year, right? But more so what he's done the first few years with dealing with Geno. And he turned that guy into a pro bowler. Exactly. That's just really great work. Now, one of the other things about him as a candidate that's intriguing is the culture tree that he comes from. He comes from that McVay culture tree. And for me, that's something that's a plus. McVay is a very innovative play caller, has a great mind. Anybody that has any sort of affiliation with this guy, hey, I want him on my staff. And so he does, that was an attractive piece when it comes to this guy. I thought this hire as an offensive coordinator for the Bears, I you know, I know I caught the hardball hire for the Chargers a home run. I feel like this is a fucking triple that's almost near the home run. <laughs> I love that now it's right there, Prince. I'll take that triple, bro. Um, with the fact that you hit it on the head about him being a play caller. He's not coming in like a Lou Getz, coming in as a rookie first-time play caller, he's coming in with some experience, bro. And that's one thing I've always encouraged the Chicago Bears to do. Let's not bring no rookies in here, man. Bring in somebody that knows exactly what they are doing. And he's one of those individuals who knows what to do in his role. Because you called it out last season, bro, that just passed, about what this Bears team has done in critical moments and how we choked away so many opportunities. I don't think Shane, that type of dude, that's going to screw those opportunities up, bro. So it's going to be, hey, some big plays, big everything going on under Shane. I think he's the type of guy that can probably get the job done, bro. So I am happy about this, and I'll take that triple. And you know another thing, too, and I brought this up on the last episode. Because Matt Eberfuss is going into this season, A-Dub is a lame duck. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Right. I thought it was going to be pretty difficult for him to attract a qualified and really sharp offensive coordinator candidate. But I guess he wasn't lying when he said that his phone was blown up because the fact that they were able to land Waldron a dub, I think it speaks volumes to the opportunity that Waldron sees here in Chicago. And he yes. probably also sees this as a way for him to get his star shining and leave it a little bit more. Yeah, and you can, Perez. I mean, I think the Bears, in my opinion, are on their way up. You know, with the moves they've been making, you talk about with DJ Moore, Cole Commit, some of the running backs that you talked about that we have as well. 
I mean, they are some things offensively, man. And you can continue to do successful with that group and even get even more out of them, depending on what we do in the draft or in free agency, all that stuff, you know. It's like you add all that and add some more pieces to this team on the offensive side of it, you're in great shape. So I think Shane can see the direction that Chicago Bears are going in. And we already know the defense and how good they can be, Brad. So it's like, hey, you're not coming to really a really bad situation, as it may seem. But you're coming into a solid situation where now the Bears, again, are on the up. Adrian, the point that you made is I think it's something that I want to make sure the audience keeps in the forefront of their mind. You talked about when Lou Getzey was hired here. Lou Getzey hadn't had the experience as a play caller. Waldron, that's not the case. Right. And I think this is going to be very key because with Eberfuss being defensive centric, and he's going to be calling the plays on defense, which we'll get into here in a second. But now Waldron has this whole offensive unit, which is his. It's going to be his baby, but it's also going to be his job to get the most out of his offense going forward. And you're, you brought up a point about the skill set and the talent that we have on this offense. He has a lot to work with here in Chicago. Yep. And the fact that the Bears are focusing heavily, as you talked about before, Perez, on that offensive line and building that up, right? We got a couple of pieces on the old line, but I'm quite sure we're looking to get better, right, in that area. So this thing can really be very good for Shane, man, when it all is said and done. So hopefully it all works out that way where we can seem to see improvement on the offensive side of the bro. But we do get the pieces we need that Ryan Post have shown he's able to, to do. Man, bro, this could be a good situation for the offensive coordinator. I mean, I was even thinking about it. Okay, I was like, he's worked with Jared Goff. He's worked with Russell Wilson. Yep. He's worked, obviously, with Geno Smith. So he's worked with a lot of different quarterbacks. He's like, he's worked with the pocket passer, Jared Goff. Well, you know, I always kind of have shit to say about Jared Goff. You know, he's kind of showing us a little bit here with the Lions that, you know, he can be a capable quarterback. But the point is that with a Russell Wilson, another pocket passer. With a Geno Smith, another pocket passer. So he's done a lot of really good work with pocket passers. So my whole thing is whether you stick with a Justin Fields or move on with a Caleb Williams, either way, you're bringing a guy in that's going to be able to help these guys get to the next level as pocket passers. Right. But also, being flexible, right? The things that I talked about with Lou Getty, how he was inflexible, Waldron is showing you that, hey, I'm not going to sit here and be stubborn as a play caller. I'm going to try to maximize who I have in front of me. You don't turn a guy like Geno Smith into a pro bowler by being fucking arrogant and thinking, oh, it's going to be my way. He's going to figure out my way. It's my system and it's my scheme. No. Right. That's not the way Waldron worked. And that's why he has success with each and every quarterback that he's worked with. I like what you went there, Fred. You mentioned flexibility, bro. The fact that he was willing to adjust to the strengths of his quarterbacks. That speaks volume right there, bro. Because you always talk about that, bro. Plan to what these quarterbacks can do very well. And he played to what Geno Smith is able to do. Same thing with Wilson. I mean, at one point, I thought Russell Wilson was a very good game manager. But he got more out of him than just a game manager, bro. Put him in situations where you see him rolling out, making movement, and then throwing the football. I mean, he's just doing a lot of great things that keep that offense flowing. And I got to give Shane a lot of credit for that, bro. But you hit it on the head, man. That's that flexibility. Willing to adjust, willing to adapt. Now, one thing about him, though, I, I was watching film of the game that the Seahawks had against the Cowboys, and I will say he's not a perfect play caller, right? And, and the thing is that we want to make sure that we're kind of keeping this on the forefront that it's great that he has experience, it's great that he's been able to work with Geno Smith, but it's not perfect, right? And there's going to be some right. things that he's going to have to challenge himself on improving because 
he drawn up a play against the Cowboys that left fucking uh, Michael Parsons unblocked. And I'm like, <laughs> Look, that's a bad decision right there. You're gonna get Geno Smith hurt, man. <laughs> you got his ass lit up on the play, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Absolutely, man. That was a tough call right there on coach. But that Seattle Seahawks offense generated a lot of fourth quarter comeback. And that's something that here in Chicago, we don't know anything about that. Half the time when we get the ball in those late game situations, we crumble, we fold. Yeah. And so that was something about him that's really appealing to me because I'm like, hey, I would love to see Chicago with the ball in our hands and we actually go do something with it. I like where you're going there, friends, because you and I have talked a lot about that two-minute drill. Hey, look, last two minutes of the fourth quarter, getting close to that crunch time, what are you doing in those situations? And we talk about this all the time, how this is a passing league now. And if you look at the way the Waldron called games for Seattle, they threw the ball a lot. Yep. So now you have a guy coming in here that probably is going to be pushing the ball down the field, which is an area that I thought we could have taken more advantage of last season and the year before that. So, A-Dub, this hire, the reason why I'm high on it is because you're bringing a guy in here that is going to show us some things on offense that we're not used to. I agree with that, Perez. And some of the things we talk about, first down, second down plays, bro, I think this guy's showing what he's able to do with moving that ball, man. And you hit it right on the head. We talk about the passing game, bro. He designed some very good plays for Seattle on first and second down in the passing game. And you know with Chicago, we done last season, bro. We done a lot of running the football on first and second down and then trying to figure something out on third down, you know. But in this case here, man, we may be to get some things going in the air. I hope so. Because, like I said, in this NFL, you have to take advantage of those type of opportunities. I've talked about on the show all the time how when I look at Lamar Jackson and the way that Lamar Jackson went off last week in the playoffs against the Texas a I, I was just jealous. I'm sitting up here like, this guy right here, he's filthy. But Justin Fields has a little bit of that skill set. I'm like, oh, I see Justin when I'm looking at Lamar. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, yeah. I like this guy already. Yeah, man. I see the same thing, Perez. And I'm, nothing wrong with us giving Lamar Jackson his props. I mean, the dude is dope. But to your point, man, Justin Fields can do some similar things, though. And if he can continue to improve in that passing game, he could be Lamar Jackson 1.0 or 1.5. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but, man, <laughs> if we decide to keep Justin Fields, that's the potential that he can end up being, you know. And um, that could be a that type of player like Lamar Jackson you will see in Justin Fields. So it's like, man, I'm hoping. You never know what may happen. Kayla Williams, they may decide to go that route. If they keep Justin Fields, I can see some good things like that happening if he continues to grow and get better and Shane can possibly unlock the rest of him. And see, Shane is not going to be alone in unlocking Justin or working with Kayla Williams because Kerry Joseph was brought in as a QB coach. And they're not wasting any time filling these spots up, A-Dub. So with Kerry Joseph, I look at it like, okay, this is somebody – that played defense in the league, but it's a former quarterback. So yeah. you got a unique, basically, what I, let me say that again. So you got a coach with a unique perspective, which I think would be great working with a young quarterback. Absolutely, Perez. That will be unique. That will be great as well. But you look at the fact that also Kerry Joseph got some experience working with Shane as well. You know what I mean, Perez? You kind of keeping that chemistry together, right? To where it's not too many voices in the heads of the, of the uh, quarterback. You got people align in their thinking process and maybe on the same page and you add them to that mix it's like hey now we got a 
some chemistry, some consistency going on. We're not really putting the quarterback in a crazy situation to where, again, like Mr. Fields said last season, right, that, hey, he has so much going on in his head that, hey, things got too complicated. So in this case here, it may not be that way for a Caleb Williams or a Justin Fields. Continuity piece that you brought up a dub is important because they do have that relationship. But for me, most importantly, I'm just thinking about just we talk about reading defenses and we talk about Justin and some of the areas where he still is developing in his game. I think it's important to have a guy like this because, as I mentioned, with the way that Joseph sees the field as a former quarterback, but as a person that was a defender in the league, yeah, hey, he can help Justin with, like, hey, you might want to do this type of look to look this person off. You want to be unpredictable where the ball's going and how the ball's coming out, right? There's all type of things that he can learn from that, right? And I think that that's going to be huge as we as we look ahead. But again, this is important because you want to make sure that you got a QB coach, the person is going to be in Justin's ear, that is going to just be a sounding board. That's not going to be an information overload to Justin, not right. you know analysis paralysis. Because under Getsy, I have a feeling that Justin was very robotic because it was just too much information being thrown up. Absolutely. And I'm glad you're giving Joseph the credit around that prayers of what he's able to do in that department, because that is huge, man. Um, you want to have your quarterback comfortable and in the best position to execute. And I think Joseph seems to be one of those guys who's able to do that, bro. And you hit on the head, man, about the fact of his experience in being a DB. That helps, bro, because now he's teaching Justin Fields or Caleb, that, hey, I know what those guys back there think. I know what they're looking at. I know how they're reading mm -hmm. you. So I'm giving you some games, some growth. So all the details, all the ins and outs of the game, bro, that growth, that IQ piece is what he can share, right? Because he had experience on both sides. He gets it. So therefore, he can lay a good hand of knowledge to Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. Anderson got us hungry. I mean, he, he came to the Seahawks in 2020 and moved up with the new organization and promoted himself. I always like stories like that when I see guys coming here. They don't take anything for granted. They just want an opportunity, and they go out there, and they grab it, and they get the opportunity. And now he's got yeah. a very important position being a QB coach because imagine this, right? If we're able to unlock this Bears offense, whether it's Justin, whether it's Caleb, his star's going to rise. Yep. And that's the thing. It's like you're putting yourself in a really good spot potentially if this thing works out. The thing as well, along with that, He'll be at the Senior Bowl. Now we get a chance to tap into what this guy, from my own personal view, and seeing work and operate and what he's capable of doing. Yeah, man, we might need to try to see if we can holler at him, too. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, you know, we'll be out there all week on this. So, you know, we'll definitely make sure that we get the content going to you guys. And we'll definitely have it written for him on our Chicago City Mount Substack. But A-Dub, defensive coordinator, we got one of those in the now. So on the offensive side of the ball, we've done a lot of talking about the offense. Everybody's like, oh, this Bears defense. This defense is a juggernaut in training, right? Imagine right. if who's got this defense playing at a nice level towards the end of the season. So Eric Washington is returning back to the Chicago Bears. And this <laughs> time, as a defensive coordinator, baby. Hey, salute to Eric Washington, man. I mean, he got he coming in with some experience, bro. I got to give him that. You know, I like the fact that he was a you know assistant head coach. I love that part of it. So this guy has some capabilities of leading, and I like that part about it as well. But coming in with some actual experience, bro, which is always a good thing. I think even Foods will probably enjoy working with him, bro, because I think he can definitely help unlock that defensive line and get the most out of him as well. And I think 
He's just a guy who just want to show what he's capable of doing, bro. He got a chip on his shoulder as well, you know, coming back home to Chicago. So that's always a good thing. Hey, Chicago is where he got his start as a coach, man. Working with the defensive line, as you mentioned, that's his area of specialty. And I would say this. As soon as I saw that hire, I thought of two people. First person, Javon Dexter. And I thought Ooh. about how that's going to be really nice to get him on lock. I mean, think yep. about that, right? This kid right here has so much potential. Zach Pickens is another guy. Tons of potential. Those are two guys that I'm like, oh, I can't wait till he gets in here and can start working with those two. Because I think Dexter has got the potential to be a freaking monster in this league. Ooh, wait, did he not show us some good signs last season, bro? I mean, you had to... potential, didn't he? Yeah, so I'm really high on him, bro. And you were high on him too, Brez, when they drafted him. You were like, hey, hey, watch yep. out for this kid. Hey, he got a lot going on, man. And now he's coming into another year with the Chicago Bears and working with somebody like Eric Washington. Bro, he can be even better. I mean, the way that I look at it is I look at, okay, the Buffalo Bills defense, solid unit, right? Yep. Then you look at the time that he spent with Carolina. Carolina during some of his tenure had really solid defenses. So he's worked with a lot of really top talent in this league and he's highly respected in this league. And he's going to come here to Chicago to a situation where Eberflus has put the framework of the defense in place. He's going to be calling the plays. So you're bringing a guy here that's a teacher that's going to get the most out of that defensive line. And Edub, if they can unlock that piece with that secondary that we've already talked about, how those guys are really budding and showing you what they, you know, could do in this league, this Bears defense could be a top five unit consistently. You know what I mean? And that's the thing that gets me really excited about this hire. And this is why I got to give Ryan Post a lot of credit. He realized, even though the Bears have played well defensively, right, Perez, as we lately get all those takeaways, he realized that, hey, we can get even better in the trenches, right? And having a, a defensive coordinator who focused in on that part of it can be a big key, a big factor in that as well. So, the fact that you look at the OC and the DC and you look at Eberflus as well, it's like Ryan Poles is doing a solid job at building this whole thing from a coaching perspective that I got to give him credit for. So with Eric Washington being able to bring those traits to this team, bro, man, and who knows how the Bears are going to draft, that can be critical and be another way to see Eric Washington shine in Chicago. And that's what I'm hoping for going forward. And the thing is, he's taking over a defense – that people were not able to run the football on. And right. like I said, if he's coming in here with that defensive line mindset, just think about how much more formidable that defense is going to be going forward. Ada. Like I said, I thought very solid decision here. What did you think about the fact when you heard the Evil Foods going to continue to keep calling the plays, though? That I don't quite like. I got to give Evil Foods credit that he done a good job. Like I said, you want to talk about that? You know, the second half of the season, we're making things happen with those takeaways, right? That's when we got Montez Sweat, really, when we start to see things turn around. However, Eric Washington can hold that down himself. You don't have to continue to play calling, man, on the defense. You can relinquish, you know, that part of the game and let Eric Washington do his thing, you know. So I'm not saying that Eberflus does not have success with doing it, but I'm like, hey, maybe there's something there to Eric Washington that he'd be able to do those things as well. How about giving it to him? But Sometimes people will say, if it ain't broke, why try to fix it? Let's see what happens. But the point is, would Eric Washington be happy with that? We'll see. Well, I think the thing for Eberflus ain't dub is he's probably like, hey, I'm lame duck. And so <laughs> if I'm going to go out, I will go out my fucking way. <laughs> hey, friends, you cannot be mad at that at all, man. Hey, look, my job is on the line here. <laughs>
That's right. That's right. But also, too, I think it's a good situation for Washington because, yeah, most people say, well, he's leaving Buffalo, a team that's perennially going to the playoffs. Yes. However, he's coming here to Chicago with a defense that is ascending, right, that's going in the right direction, right? He gets to work with a Montez Sweat. And like I said, these youngs that are on the team, we got so much young talent in the defensive line. And I really think that he can bring the best out of some of these young guys. And it's no telling what they do in the draft this, this offseason right. as well. So, in my opinion, I think it's a really solid hire. To, to your point, Perez, this defense is on the rise, man. So, you, Eric Washington, you don't want to be the guy that screws it up either. <laughs> so, you're like, hey, look, <laughs> I got a good team, got some good guys in the, you know, on the, on the defensive line, and also the linebacker core is good. You not talking about the secondary, what they've been able to do. It's like, look, man, you coming into a nice situation. Just make the most of it and get the most out of the players. Now, one thing I was going to say is, while Iberflus in that defense showed some signs, I thought some of his game day management, obviously we talked about that a lot on the show. I thought that Iberflus struggled in some of those areas. So maybe yeah. a guy like Washington could kind of help Iberflus in some of those types of situations. So we'll see how it goes and how that, you know, chemistry between those two ends up playing out. That's going to be critical, bro. You definitely will have my, I definitely will have my eyes on that. Ada, back to the thing that everybody's talking about right now. <laughs> and it's what are the Bears going to do with the quarterback position? Now, I'm not going to lie to you, Ada. I've seen some crazy potential offers <laughs> that the Bears <laughs> can get for that number one pick. And, you know, the Bears already set the market last year with the Bryce Young move, right? Right. And we know that Caleb Williams is, well, according to what everybody's saying, and for some of the limited film work that I've done on the guy's special. So, if we talk about a special generational once in 20 years type of candidate, the Bears are going to be able to have the ability to ask for everything. <laughs> and get it. So, with that in mind, A-Dub, how in the world will Ryan Poles be able to sit here with a trade chip that valuable and not trade it? Thoughts. I keep going back and forth with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, man, if you're Ryan Poles, it's a great situation to be in, but it's also a tough situation to be in because if it goes bad, you can take all the blame. If it goes <laughs> well, you take all the blame, right? So with that, to your point, Perez, if you can get that much for a Caleb Williams, right, with everybody throwing you everything, the kitchen sink, the garage, everything, bro. Look, you may have to take that deal. You know what I mean? If it's one of those deals like that, if you're getting a special deal for a special player, you got to take it, man. And I think that's what Ryan Poe's got to evaluate as well, you know, because as you look at this team, I think Justin Fields is on his way up. I still think there's more to Justin Fields than what we've seen this season, bro. And I think we're probably going to even be better next year. So you got to look at that and take that into account as well. But at the end of the day, bro, if you're going to make that trade for that number one pick, you got to get everything you possibly can. And it got to be a very good trade that people look at and say, oh, man, that was awesome to the point to where the Bears could possibly get the number one pick again next season. Yeah, just like they did this time around. Because you got to think about it. With the Panthers, two number ones, two number twos, and DJ Moore. Right. We fleeced them. But this is the thing. 
Now we're saying we can get even more this time around. <laughs> right. Bears fans, y'all could debate on about Justin Fields and what he is and what he isn't. But I tell you one thing, I'd rather take all those draft picks. <laughs> I tell you that much. <laughs> I'd rather give Justin Fields one more shot at it. For real. Hey, bro, because the thing is, what you don't want to do is leave that kind of assets on the table like that. You're talking about setting this team up for consistent success right down the road, Perez. Doing that is having draft capital as well with what you currently have. So the thing is, Ryan Poles is huge on that, bro. Draft capital and all that stuff, man. That's huge. So therefore, if you keep some high draft picks going on for down the road for the future, you're setting your team up for success. The thing is, keeping that same energy going for long-term success. And I think that's what Ryan Foles is trying to build. Because as you know, Perez, a lot of years we have mortgaged it. <laughs> we had nothing to get in the draft, you know. But now seeing what Ryan Foles is trying to do. I was like, Ryan, patient. Right, exactly. So Ryan Foles trying to do things a lot different. And you got to take that into account. Also, another thing to take into account, A-Dub, is that the NFC North that Ryan Poles wants to take back. Well, if you look at the way this division is performing right now, you got the Lions as an NFC championship game. You yep. got the Packers, who in the rebuilding year, made the playoffs. The Vikings, they still got tons of talent. So right now with the Bears, you're looking up at the rest of these teams, and you're like, all right, how do we get in contention with these guys? And when I look at it is trade that number one fucking pick. Right. And find the team desperate for a fucking quarterback. Because this is my thing, A-Dub. I know a lot of people will sit here and say, well, Prince, what if Caleb Williams goes on and becomes this generational talent that we passed on him? Well, we passed on C.J. Stroud. Now, I know people will sit here and tell us, well, Prince, everybody was looking at Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud was overlooked. I understand that, but at the same time, you still passed on him. <laughs> it don't matter that he went one or versus two. It's still a choice that you made. And right. I'm sure the Bears can live with that because look at what they got in trade. And, and to that point, Prince, people say this guy could be this or that. We really don't know. You know what I mean? Because we heard a lot about what other quarterbacks could be who were coming out of college, right? And the thing is, someone met that potential, someone did not. I'm not saying Caleb Williams is going to be one way or the other, bro. I don't even know. But I like what they're saying about him, which is good. I mean, it'd be good for him for his career if it happens, though. But at the end of the day, bro, if the Bears are able to get a Super Bowl and bring another championship home, something we ain't done since the 80s, hey, look, y'all can have Caleb Williams as long as we take the crown. He just said y'all can have him. Okay. <laughs> as long as we get the Super Bowl victory, bro, I don't give a damn. Hey, look, we got the chip. That's all that matters. Well, you just know how this fan base is because for me personally, I'm trading that pick. I'm sorry. Trading that pick, trading it just far enough where we can still get Marvin Harrison Jr. Yep. or another talented wide receiver, uh, edge rusher, which is what I won in that first round. And then also to your point, A-Dub, the chance to draft in the top five again next season. You can't that's beat what I want. that. Yeah, you can't beat you that, know, Perez. You cannot, man. And let's be realistic, Perez. You and I saw the Bears play against the Detroit Lions. How far were we off of being as good as them? We beat them once, though, but we could have beat them twice. Yeah. yeah. But my point is, I got nothing against Detroit. I'm happy they done, they're doing their thing. But it's like, hey, look, let's be realistic, man. This Bears team is not that far off. So well, I think that Ryan Poles with the right moves, we're not far off. But if he fucks this thing up, dude, 
it's going to go south for us real quick. I agree. And that's what we got to be careful with, bro. When people are screaming out who they want on this team, got to be careful now. You get certain things, and now all of a sudden, we're going in a different direction. You ain't going to like that. Now we're going to be screaming for Eflu's job, Ryan Poe's job, and everybody else's job. That's kind of what happens. So we got to be very careful with that. And then also, too, it's pretty interesting that we heard reports that during the interview process, Matt Eberflus was defending Justin Fields, eh, Doug? Yeah. I'm glad he was because you know what? You will not call to help before, bro. All of this wasn't on Justin Fields. And you think about Justin Fields' tenure with the Chicago Bears, friends, it's been a roller coaster. And it's not his fault, you know? He's been put in so many messed up situations, bro. It's unbelievable, man. I was surprised we didn't tarnish the guy, you know? But you got to look at it and see for what it is. Even Fuchs is right. You got to come to a quarterback defense and say, hey, look, through all this adversity, this kid has still shown signs of some growth. You got to give him credit for that. Mm -hmm. And when you look at this offensive coordinator job, I'm sure the reason why there was so much interest around it, even though even Fuchs is laid up, is because it's that channelizing opportunity to coach a kid like a Caleb Williams or to work with Justin Fields. And it's also interesting that Cliff Kingsbury, who coached Caleb Williams at USC, the Bears brought him in for some interviews, which I thought was very solid. Obviously, yep. they didn't hire him, but you brought him in for information. I guarantee you they asked a ton of questions about Caleb Williams in that interview process. I'm quite sure he did, and that had to come up in the conversation, and I'm quite sure Ryan Poles got some answers that he was looking for. And the reason why Aldrin is a good hire and the reason why I brought this up earlier about the different quarterbacks that he's worked with is that you're not married to just one style of quarterback because of who you hired at the offensive coordinator position. Right. Whether you stick with Fields, you feel confident that he can build a system around him, or if you go after a guy like Caleb Williams, then you're confident that he can put him in the best position to succeed. Absolutely, Perez. And that's what you want right there. You don't want nobody coming in with a biased take on things, right? Marry one way and looking to do things only one way, you know? Being willing to show that adjustment that you and I talked about earlier, that's important, man. And got somebody with some good experience to be able to deal with that type of stuff. So that's what you like when you talk about the Bears when they got that OC. This is my thing, man. I'm looking at all these teams in the draft, and I'm hearing the Raiders, Commanders, the Patriots, all these teams that people are saying that are quarterback needy and hungry. And I'm like, I'm looking at teams, and I'm like, okay, out of all those teams they do, the team that I really hope that comes up there and gets Caleb Williams, if we move the pick, is the Patriots. Because I don't think that they're going to be in a position to win quickly. I think a lot of these other teams, if you put a quarterback in the mix for them, I think that quarterback can kind of help them get to at least like a five, six, seven win type of season. Right. I think the Patriots, that situation is so fucking bored <laughs> up. What a first-year head coach, right, with a, 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 a bare cupboard, bruh. They got a lot of work to do in New England. And honestly, I hope that that's where we trade that picture. Who knew in 2023, 2024, that the New England Patriots would be sinking in the bottom of in a, in the bottom at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean? You ain't see that coming at all, man. So the no they in a situation like this, bro, losing Belichick and seeing where they're heading to, I don't see them being, you know, uh, a team that's going to do some great things next season. They have very much a few years away from making any type of noise, bro. So you're right. If they were to get a, a, a trade with the Chicago Bears for that number one pick, I can see us getting a nice pick from them next season for sure. 
Well, see, that whole situation in New England is on Belichick. That's ego. Yeah. That's what happens when ego clouds people's judgments. Yep. And you sign up here and force Tom Brady out of the, the equation. Tom Brady was somewhere warm without you. And now you got exposed. Now you got teams in the league where he's available. He still wants to coach. And people pass it on him. Yep. Huh. That's that says a lot. Yep. So the thing is, to your point, Perez, those egos getting away, man, can ruin a great thing. And now the Patriots are set back many years now because of that. Now, this is one thing for people that's going to sit here and they're going to say, oh, Perez, you know, you, you guys are talking about what other people are saying about Caleb Williams. No. Um, I've actually had a lot of in-depth conversations with people that cover SC. Um, they've gave me specific games to look at and reference, and it wasn't just those top 25 games that everybody talks about. That's the lazy narrative. Of course, he struggled against top 25 teams. Okay, I mean, that happens with a lot of quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But I was giving some specific games to, to break down. And what I will say is, over the course of looking at a lot of the film that was given to me, <laughs> Bro, there's nothing that I saw there that makes me believe this kid doesn't have it, and which is why I think that Brian Poles has the ability to ask for anything and everything that he wants. Because, I mean, come on, bro. Look, why not? I like where you're going with that when you say, why not, man? Because you know what? That's what it comes down to. Why not? The opportunity to do well. With any type of trade involving him, it's going to be critical for the Chicago Bears. So, hey, Caleb had a great career in college. Give you your credit, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, doesn't mean the Chicago Bears have to draft you. They can use that to the best of their ability and make something happen. Some of my biggest takeaways from him on the film audience is just his uh, arm strength. And it's one of those things that I've seen him throw the football from some unorthodox angles. Similar to a Mahomes, not comparing the two, but just the fact that Mahomes has such a cannon and can throw from any sort of pocket. I saw a lot of that from Caleb Williams on tape. Accuracy. Yeah. One of the things there with him is he can fit the ball into some really tight pockets. That's something that you want with a quarterback. Yep. It's something that we saw with Michael Penix Jr. when we were watching a lot of the college football playoffs. We saw him fit the ball in some really tight windows. That's what I saw from Caleb Williams on a consistent basis. Now, decision-making is something that people are going to see here and criticize this kid for A-Dub, and I think that it's overblown. Yeah. Every quarterback is going to have a bad game. But this kid right here is a good decision-maker with the football. He's decisive. He trusts his eyes. He knows what he's seeing out there. I think that a lot of people, they don't take the time to actually do their homework. They don't take the time to study, so they don't understand. They just take what someone else is saying, and they repeat it so much that they get convinced themselves that that's their opinion on, this, on, the, on the subject. But Absolutely. I, I implore people to do like I did. Seek out people that have that have that have covered the person. And then they gave me some homework and I did the homework. And then the lastly, the athleticism of the Caleb Williams A Dub. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want people to sit here and get caught up in trying to compare Justin Fields athleticism to a Caleb Williams athleticism. But what I'm saying is people want to sit here and say he's not as good of an athlete as Justin. And I would just say, who is? Right. <laughs> Other Lamar I mean, Jackson. Right, or Anthony Richardson. That's about right. it. Right. But I think Caleb Williams is more athletic than the average quarterback and more athletic than people give him credit for. Those attributes, what he's able to do, Perez, 
definitely stands out, man. And you hit it on the head. It was arm strength. I'm glad you brought that up. It's accuracy. You know, all that stuff is great, you know. And even the fact that he can throw a great deep ball as well, you know. This kid got some tools, man. He got the goods. And I do want to see him do well no matter what team he plays for, whether Chicago Bears or some other team, you know, um, that drafts him. I want to see the kid continue to do well. And I hope he is the real deal, what they say he is, you know. But at the end of the day, we do see how sometimes some teams can screw up some quarterbacks. I just hope that he's not one of those kids. This decision is going to be interesting. We talked about draft content. A.W. and I, we're going to be flying down to Mobile, Alabama tomorrow. So we're going to be down for Senior Bowl all week long. We'll get a couple shows out to you guys. But most importantly, we're going to have a lot of written content. We're going to have like reports on position groups, Bears targets. Download the Substack app. Search for Chicago State of Mind, and you'll find all of our content from Senior Bowl Week. So A-Dub and I, we're going to be busy. So we'll get a couple podcasts out there. But if you want to get that content, it's going to be really quick and easy to, for you to break down. The written stuff will be right out there for you guys as well. But A-Dub, man, this is the part of the offseason that I really enjoy. And I know you do too. Getting out there, going to these draft showcases, getting out to the combine, really being able to break down these prospects, right? Being able for you and I, to give our opinions on athletes that we're seeing for ourselves. So we don't have to worry about what somebody else is saying about a prospect. We can see it for our own selves. And that's what's about right there, Prez, bringing that content of what Prez and Dove see with our own two eyes. Yes, sir. Well, I'm looking forward to it, audience. <laughs> you guys will be hearing from us very soon. But we appreciate you guys and all your continued support of the platform. We'll be a top 10 Chicago Bears podcast without each and every one of you. We appreciate it. Until next week, we are out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.